Welcome everyone to a preview episode of the Talking Ball Y'all Picking Post Game Podcast. We're going to preview Diaberville tonight. We talk with Jeremy Forehand. Forehand is part of the Diaberville radio crew. So he hopped on and him and I, we talked a little Diaberville football first three games of the season and also what we kind of will expect from Diaberville against Picayune. And then after that, Slick and I got on and talked a little bit about the first three games of Picayune and also what we kind of expect to see from Diaberville from our vantage point. So I hope everyone enjoys this uh, preview episode. Next, we'll also we'll have our post-game podcast Friday following the Diaberville game. And then we'll start our weekly preview episodes next week as district play starts against PRC. So thanks everyone for listening. I hope you enjoy this episode and be on the lookout for the um, all the all of the Picayune post-game podcast stuff with Talking Ball Y'all. Bank with your hometown bank, FNB Picayune Bank. With four branches in Picayune, a branch in Poplarville and Wiggins, and soon to have a branch in the Keel. The name has changed, but the employees continue to be the same friendly faces offering you the same great service. So do your banking with your hometown bank. Welcome everyone to the, uh, we're going to do a little preview episode this week, uh, talking Picayune versus D'Iberville. And we got uh, Jeremy Forehand on with me. He's going to talk a, give us a little insight on what D'Iberville looks like this year. And uh, Jeremy's also doing a post-game podcast for us for Talking Ball, y'all, for D'Iberville. So if you haven't been listening to that and want to catch up on what's going on, uh, the first three games, you can go back and listen to his episodes of the uh, post-game podcast. Well, Jeremy, I want to thank you for uh, coming on. Appreciate it, Dave. What's going on this evening? Uh, not much. Going to talk a little football. So what better e- way to spend an evening than to talk a little football? There ain't, but not, there ain't one thing I'd enjoy talking more about football, and that's wrestling. <laughs> that's for a whole other whole another podcast. <laughs> Man, I used to <laughs> – I mean, I know this is, we get off talk, topic already, but I used to be so big into wrestling when I was younger, and then I don't know what made me get out of it, but, man, I used to live for wrestling back when I was younger, and then uh, just, man, just got where I didn't watch it. But, uh, Jeremy, give uh, give everybody a kind of a little background on you. You know, I mean, you're from Diablo. You played at Diablo, so run that through for uh, all the listeners. Uh, graduated in 1996. I played – Played football and baseball uh, all three years of high school and basketball two years. Uh, you know, we played Picky and I think one time in football is my senior year, our homecoming, uh, Picky and won 1916. Um, since then, I've uh, come to do the chains at Diarville up to a certain point, and then I eventually started doing the chains at Perk for the Gulf Coast Bulldogs game. Started that in 2001. So I've been doing that a good little while. Started up there with my dad, Mr. Jack Ewan. Uh, just a big, big Diarville crew that came up there when Coach Gavin was an assistant, who was my head coach. Um, and then since then, we, you know, besides the chains, we also painted the football field for all the Warrior home games whenever, uh, before, prior to getting turf. And since then, you know, I've had my kids went to St. Martin. So a few years they were in high school on the dance team. I was actually helping 
Coach Whitehead, who was my baseball coach in high school, with uh, with the St. Martin team. I was just basically on the sidelines, keep, keeping track of uh, special teams, making sure all the folks get get out in the right position, that sort of thing. So I did that. And once my daughter grad, my youngest daughter graduated, you know, I was trying to find my way back to the Irville, and I made a comment to uh, the guys I know. I said. If y'all want me to jump in on the broadcast, I'm I'm all up for it. Um, so I've been doing the broadcast. It's the third season doing the uh, radio broadcast with, or I say radio broadcast, doing that we do them on Facebook Live through the Booster Club page, uh, doing those games with uh, Kevin Roberts and Matt Black. So Kevin's a former Warrior coach, who's a Harris Central graduate that was a year older than me. So. You know, we're wrestling fans, so it, we fit in right with each other, no problemo. Uh, but yeah, that's about it. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much warrior thick and thin. I bleed black and gold. Uh, there ain't too many. You know, my wife always jokes with me when she, uh, they say, "Where are you from?" I say, "Darrville." No matter where I was born, where I've been, or not, I always say I'm from Darrville. So I'm, I'm one of those. Uh, I've, I've been around a long time, seen a lot. Football's my number one thing. So I, I enjoy this thoroughly and uh, I love talking about it ever since I got started on the radio with a friend of mine. Uh, I can't help but talk a lot. So I enjoy it thoroughly. Well, we're glad to have you join on with the uh, Talking Ball, y'all. I, th- I think these post-game podcasts are really, really a cool feature to offer, especially to kids. I, I don't know how the Iberville kids have you know, been for it, but man, the kids over here at Picayune have absolutely loved it. And, uh, I'm just glad to do a preview episode. Cause this is the fun part. Like, um, for us as, you know, media people, I guess you could call us that, but you, it's more preparing. You kind of get to talk a little bit before the game. We don't really do anything on Fridays. All that's taken care of in front of us, you know, like all we, we prepare yeah. all week and then Friday just happens. So this is kind of a, a fun part to what we do here and uh and then talk like you said talking football and uh it's gonna be great so the Iberville open the season we're gonna talk a little bit first about the season so far they're three games in they're one and two but I mean only lost two they've lost two games one point a piece but uh let's start out with this uh St. Stanislaus game they won 41 to 14 give us some highlights if you got any from what transpired in that game they had a good game on the ground. They ran up, ran for I think it was like 500 plus yards. Uh, just just seemed to grind out the St. Stanislaus defense. Um, they tried to they they weren't so crisp on their passing, but they had a good running game all night. The defense just played more of a bend but not break. You know they outscored them. I think it was 14 to seven with six minutes to go in the first quarter and then they scored the next 34 straight points so first week I didn't know what to expect you know because they had so many guys that were first time starters and first time seeing the field but uh it was it opened up you know the running game cleared it up they had a you know and it wasn't it wasn't anything special it was something more of a wing T look, you know, he, he learned that from coach Dolan, you know, the previous coach. So the wing T's uh, in full effect, but he's mixing in some passes when he needs to. And uh, 
it, it was a great week one. You know, they didn't have any turnovers. Um, yeah, I was I was very surprised at how the first week went. It made everything look more positive going forward. I was expecting a good bit here in these last two weeks as well. <clears throat> well, you y'all uh, kind of like you said, you handled them forty-one fourteen. <clears throat> and Laurel, your next opponent, who Picayune's fans um, are probably going to pay more attention to that game more than uh, the St. Stanislaus game, and the fact that Laurel comes in as a five A school that probably. We played them in South State last year, and they've probably been picked to kind of be that team that's going to match Picayune in the South State again um, if everything plays out like everybody thinks, but you know how that is. Um, Laurel got y'all 43-42, to 42 and uh, a two-point conversion, it came down to that. So uh, give us a rundown on that uh, Laurel game. Yeah, that was kind of a, a very back-and-forth game, uh, I mean, we had nine combined touchdowns between the two teams just in the second half. Uh, Warriors, again, ran the ball very good, but the defense had was struggling to stop the running game of the Golden Tornadoes, you know. Of course, Laurel has those bookend D1 commits at both tackles, you know, the, the, two, the Mississippi State commit, the Memphis commit. You know, Laurel's very athletic across the board, and – uh Warriors just, you know, I was very happy with how they stayed in the game. They never got down, and they just continued to battle back. Every time they get down, they just battle back. I think the biggest lead in the game at any point was an eight-point lead. Uh, Warriors scored with a minute 18 to go in the game, and Coach Ladner did the right thing, in my opinion. You know, go for two to try to, to, seal, to win the game at that point. Uh, he ran a jet sweep off one one side and uh kevin rogers was he was uh, basically a half a yard shy of scoring to put us up by one with you know like i said a minute and 18 to go it was a it was very back and forth i think i i i said on the broadcast that i would expect to see as long as it played out correctly i would expect to see y'all versus laura again for south state and 5a it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me one bit yeah, so. one of the stats that kind of jumped off, not not that y'all wanted to run the ball, but how well y'all ran the ball against Laurel. Because, um, I mean, that's going to jump out to us as Picayune uh, guys because that's what we want to do. We want to run the ball. So y'all had a very, very successful game running the ball against Laurel. Yeah, they ran the ball very good, and uh, really in all three games. So that is – it's not been a worry. If there's a worry on the board, it ain't the running game, and it's not the offense. I mean, I feel like the the the, the linemen on both sides of the ball have a little struggles at times. More on the defensive side, just no penetration on the quarterback. Uh, we, they haven't been able to play a solid four quarters. They play play good at times, but. Uh, you know, we're looking for that solid four-quarter defense to come up one of these games, and it hadn't, it hadn't happened yet. And then you lose to Laurel by one, and then you go to – y'all were at JDC, correct? Yeah, it was the first, first road game of the season. Yeah, and then y'all take – it goes into overtime, if I'm correct, and lose on a two-point – a failed two-point conversion there too. So, back-to-back weeks, the two-point conversion kind of got y'all uh, – Give the fans a little bit about uh, 
the JDC game, Jeff Davis. Yeah, that was similar. It was it was very similar to the uh, Laurel game that time. You know, it was kind of a back and forth. You know, Warriors ran the ball good. Peterson had his best. Gage Peterson had his best game pass, and I want to say he was like uh, nine of thirteen for like two fifty three, two touchdowns. You know, had an interception, but uh, the Warriors had a chance to go ahead. It was, I believe, at the time it was, it was tied at twenty apiece, and Warriors are driving. Kids trying to uh, get into the end zone, and he kind of hits close to the end, close to the goal line, and of course the ball squirts out the end zone. Well, we're in the booth, so I can't really see it, but. They were trying to say he was down by contact as opposed to a fumble. Of course, JDC, you know, it's a fumble out of the end zone. They just end up running three plays and we go to overtime. Otherwise, that's probably ball game at that point. So, but then JDC scores on the first play in overtime. We got to, we run and end up scoring, I think, on about fourth and six. It looked like it was the same play that we ran the two-pointer against Laurel. You know, a jet sweep to the wide side of the field. Uh, Rogers gets in for the touchdown. Uh, I want to say coach came back with a different formation, babe, but the same play on the two-pointer, and they had a linebacker come through the line and, and bust it up in the backfield, and he wasn't anywhere close to scoring this time. So it was – Another backbreaker we played, you know, it was raining off and on. The field, you could tell the field was very wet prior to, you know. Uh, I, I was encouraged by how they played in their first road trip and in bad conditions and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's a three, it's a 3A state, raining state champ. So it's nothing to, nothing to squawk at, you know. I just expected a little bit more after the way y'all handled them the prior week, you know, so. That was the first three weeks to be one and two. I'm happy, but you know we're two points away from being three and zero. Oh, so that's what you got to look at. Yeah, and looking at if the stats are correct, I got them off a of scorebook live. You you talk about a balanced offense. Diablo's going to bring in an offense that is thrown for 432 yards and rush for 400. No, that's the wrong thing. Uh, my bad. I've looked at the receiving yards, which was the same, and then. Uh, but y'all have rushed for uh, 988 yards, um, which is still like I, I mean the attempts. Y'all thrown y'all thrown the ball 41 times, which is kind of a kind of stood out to me just for the fact that you we had you had Dolan before that was more of a hey wing T run it run it run it, and I, I want to say I know Gage, Gage was hurt last year, correct when he played Picayune. Yeah, he, he injured himself, I believe, in the first game against Moss Point. was out for six weeks, I believe, before yes. he came back in. And he started those last started those last five or six games. Yeah, so he's already on this three games thrown for 431 yards. I mean, that's the big thing that stood out to me. Uh, Gage is and, – and a lot of people around this area will know Gage. Gage started out – uh, he was in junior high, I want to say, at Porter Central, then went to Stanislaus to start his high school career, and then ended up at D'Iberville, if I'm correct. Um, I don't know if he's – Yeah, I know he came from Stanislaus. I'm not sure about 
uh, you know, the earlier than that, but he did come to Stanislaus, uh, from Stanislaus, I yeah. think it, maybe the springtime last year. Yeah, I think he, he – I know he started at uh, Purvis Central in like seventh and eighth grade, and then uh, they had a really good group of eighth graders that year. He was there in eighth grade, and then a lot of them have moved on to other schools, um, which is unfortunate for Purvis Central. But um, Gage, a lot of people are going to know he's very athletic. Uh, he can move. He, he's a very good quarterback. Um, if you – if you would talk a few about his top receivers coming into this game and what we could expect from the passing game, since I don't know that y'all had y'all had a, quite a few good receivers last year. I remember DeShazo, Colton DeShazo from last year. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, y'all brought in a. I mean, well, we played. We went to Diablo last year, but y'all had a very, very good senior heavy squad last year so y'all are replacing a lot but so talk about some of the guys that have stepped up to fill some of the roles that uh guys have left yeah gage is basically the the only one that came back that had you know multiple games of of starting and seeing the field uh he's gonna come you know ladner's gonna come out he's gonna he's gonna mainly rely on four guys running the ball and uh, they've each had over 100 yards easy. Caleb Booker's your leading rusher at 308 yards. He, he leads the way at 49 carries. Um, now, you also see those four guys along on the receiving end of the ball. They, they still – he still will stick to his wing T philosophy with the passing game. Um, but at times, he will go spread on you as well. Uh, Jamel Rothschild has been the – He's, he's a converted wide receiver that they moved the tight end and bulked him up a little bit. He's had these last two games have been, been really big. He had one good touchdown catch against Laurel the previous week, but uh, he leads away with five catches for 134 yards and a touchdown. You know, but last week they mixed in a, a pass to Caleb Booker out of the backfield on a, on a linebacker. He went for 71 yards and, it was close to a touchdown, but what it wasn't. But it seemed to do a lot of uh, play action off of the run game. Uh, he will, like I said, he will go. He will spread it out a little bit and go, you know, four wide receivers. But he isn't bringing too many receivers in. He's usually just going to take his backs and spread them out into receiver position. Uh, Braylon Zerber is your one. You one wide receiver that's there. He's a big, lanky kid. He's also the punter and the kicker. Um, so you don't see too much other than that. He's not going to come in and bring four different wide receivers in. He's going to stick to his basic, you know, same same skill guys that he would have on there if he was in the wing team. He's not going to change it up too much. Uh, you know, Booker, like I said, Booker has led the way with 300 yards. Kevin Rogers is he's he's kinda like y'all's Chris Davis. He's averaging like eleven yards a carry. You know, he's only had seventeen carries, but he's got close to two hundred yards. So we got a couple speed guys and mixed in with a couple uh you know, Booker's more like Dre Lenore was who from last year's team, you know, the big fullback we had last year. That's who I would compare him to. Yeah, I was and, gonna uh, ask you if you had yeah. anybody like uh, Lenore on the team because Lenore had, a, if I remember, he had a very good game against Picayune last year. Um, 
Yeah, Caleb Booker is very much in the style of uh, Dre Lenore on that big body, full back position. He's he's either going to go up the gut or he might he might take it off tackling and gain twenty on you. You know, it just depends. Yeah, and then looking at Rodgers, I was going to ask you about that eleven point four yard average. That's pretty impressive. Uh, I know we got Davis. Like you, that was a good good comparison there as far as on the stat sheet. Uh, with Davis having a real high average, but not getting a lot of carries. Does Rodgers play a lot of defense? Yeah, Rodgers is like the lone guy that actually plays both ways for the Warriors. He plays a little bit of defensive back along with playing the running back position on offense. Yeah, and that's going to be number five, correct? So if people can look for that number, number yeah, five. Yeah, number five. Yep, Kevin Rodgers. Yeah, and then Booker's number nine. And then Rothschild, you mentioned him. He had three catches for 104 yards against JDC. So that was a – I mean, that's a pretty impressive night for uh, receiving there um, last week. Yeah, he's, he, had a couple, he had a couple plays where it was more or less uh, – the, the one I could think of to compare him to, he, uh, he reminded me of uh, Brad Compass from East okay. Central a handful of years back. He's a big kid. They they'll run him on a ISO route, and he just basically blocks out the defender and goes up and gets the ball. You know they'll they'll do that with him once or twice a game. Uh, he had a real good real good long catch against uh, JDC last week where it was that you know they bring him across the field and Gage kind of just gets it up there to him, and he just basically blocks him out like he's going to get a rebound and he just goes up and makes a catch. So. You know, he's a big kid. He's came on these last two games. Uh, first game, he didn't – I don't know how much he played, if any. Um, but he has definitely came on these last two games and, and and opened up the passing game a good bit. Yeah, and Ross Child is going to be number 88. So, you look out for him. And uh, we've had a few – it's pretty pretty cool to see as uh, we watch all these games. Picayune had a couple guys last week that kind of – you hadn't really seen a lot of, and then they kind of jump out, and then you're like, man, why why hadn't they been, you know, where they been, you know, like uh, make some real big yeah. plays, and it's like, well, they're there. It just takes a little time to find out where you want to put them, with, especially uh, this early in the season. So, Pekin has a couple guys on defense that made some plays last week that uh, Ty Warren mainly plays receiver, put him in a defensive back last week, and – which last week for Picayune was the first team that's really thrown the ball. So we hadn't really had much coverage. We hadn't really talked much about our deep defensive backs because of the fact that we played JDC. They ran the ball and Popperville ran the ball. So it was kind of – it was fun, yeah. fun last week to kind of see our defensive backs do some work. Um, on defense, who are going to be the guys that Picayune fans will want to look for um, that you're probably going to hear their numbers called a lot? Well, the first one I'm going to start with, there's a there's a pair of brothers that play, one's a free safety and one's a cornerback. And number 23, Marcus, that's the older brother, Marcus Washington. Uh, he's had a really good season so far. He's got three interceptions on the, on the season, if I remember right. Uh, he's, he's the one last week had an interception, uh, or he made a fump. Anyways. Marcus is the older brother, number 23. He has a younger brother named Marquise that also plays uh, defensive back. Those are the two on the on the secondary to look for. Now, 
They got a, a guy that's been doing real good the last two weeks. I believe he had 15 tackles against Laurel. That's Malcolm Gowdy, number seven. Uh, his his dad's defense coordinator, Maurice Gowdy. So you know he he should know the defense real good, and he seems to be playing that way. Uh, got a total of 26 tackles uh, through three games. Um, the de- like I said, the defense has been has seen the field a good bit, and they're just trying. Mar- Gowdy also had a pick six last week on a uh, quarterback got hit for JD seeing the ball went up in there and it was a, couldn't be a much easier pick six in my opinion You'd catch it about the twenty five thirty and he all he had was grass in front of him so defense has struggled at times but you know those are the three I would tell you to look for on on the if I wanted to sprinkle another one to be number twenty five Cedric Campbell on the defensive line. He's he's the one with the two sacks on the game on the season. Uh, that's number twenty five. They they have a lot of guys that haven't seen the field. Like I said, they're going into their fourth game here. So I think I think when we get around to you know district play, it, it may clean up a little bit. They're just you could tell they're they're giving their effort, all their effort. They're just trying to trying to get that four quarters and, you know, slow them down a little bit. So I'm expecting to see a good bit of what I've seen in the first, the last two weeks when we come to see off Friday, a lot of pounding the ball directly at us. You know, I can't imagine seeing anything, anything other than that, you know? Yeah. I think, uh, well, you kind of know what, uh, I mean, everybody in the country knows what Picayune is going to try to do, so we're going to definitely try to run the ball. Um, let's talk a little bit about Coach Ladner. It's his first year. He's he's a lifer at D'Iberville, I believe, just like uh, – I mean, he probably says he's from D'Iberville no matter what they ask, too. So give uh, maybe some perspective. I don't know if you want to grade him through three games or just kind of – I know they had a lot of turnover, and he come in, and I, I mean, from the videos I've seen from – Anytime he's talked about the, uh, I mean, you could just see the the incitement, the joy that he he's so happy to be at the Auburnville and be the head coach. Um, I don't know if you want to grade him or just kind of give it your assessment of what he's done through three games. Well, Coach Ladner is a you know he's a he's a graduate, I believe, a 2003 graduate. He was on the state championship team in 2002. Um, you know, he was in that bunch with uh, Jason Hockaday, Sean Merrill, Robbie Ellis, Nick Ladner, that, that bunch that was probably probably the best, if not one of the best teams that Diablo's ever seen. And uh, He's been an assistant now for a handful of years, but I think, you know, I remember Coach Ladner making a comment during uh, some of the preseason media stuff, and he said that he wouldn't – even if Nick Saban offered to switch jobs with him, he would turn him down. That's how much he wants to be at the Arville Warrior, and that's how much he wants to coach at the Arville, you know. So it's in his blood. He says he's he says he's been made to coach at the Arville, you know. Through the first three games, I, I've told him over and over, I, I'm, I'm so proud of how everything's been, you know. I didn't know what to expect with so much turnover, not only on the field, but also through the coaches. They they had a handful of coaches that are brand new this season. So uh, to see the kids playing 
and even though they're down at times on the scoreboard, if you would look on that sideline, the kids are the same no matter what. They're always up. You don't see anybody holding their heads down, you know, pissed off or mad because of how things are going. They're constantly moving forward. And, uh, you know, Coach Ladner's his theme that he's been telling them all season is uh, let's take every team to the deep end. And, uh, you know, he's got the kids in shape. They seem to be wanting to press the – press the uh, momentum each time toward, you know and that sort of thing but I, I'm very happy with how things are going in the first I would have loved to seen a 3-0 and record but you know things happen I understand that part but I'm very happy with how the first three games have been so far yeah everything can only look even better going forward at this point yeah I think uh you know first year a lot of turnover as far as kids coming out and having to start with uh, what he's what he has and then uh, breaking in a bunch of new players. I mean, it looks to me like – I mean, Laurel's no slouch. I mean, neither, neither one of the teams, JDC, I mean, Picune really uh, really didn't play as well as I was expecting. I mean, I knew it was going to be a great game against JDC, but JDC held their own against Picune. And then – so they are definitely no not a normal 3A school by any means. I mean, they are – they are stacked. They got a really good squad. They had probably three times as many players on that team as we had for a 3A school. It was amazing to see. And then, uh, so they, I mean, if they don't repeat as 3A, they're going to be right there um, looking for it. And then you, y'all play Laurel, who, I mean, every year, Laurel is always just one of those 5A schools that you're going to talk about in the south part of Mississippi. So, um, really tough schedule to, for, uh, for Coach Ladner to start out with was Stanislaus, Laurel, JDC, and then Picune. So he'll definitely see where his team is, especially after Picune going into uh, into region play. And then going back to Ladner saying about wouldn't trade with Saban, I think we have a coach that probably would say the same thing in Coach Stogner, who's you know yeah. played at Picune and been an assistant for years and then got the chance to take over after Coach Lee retired. And, uh, man, and, and – I mean, you can't say anything more about what he's done in his uh, first few years here at Picayune. So um, I don't think I don't think he would trade <laughs> trade with anyone either. So um, since we talked about this out there, but if you want to, since you know you're on part of the talking ball, y'all, if you want to switch the script, switch the script a little bit, and maybe want to to fill in some of the stuff for the Diaberville fans that might listen to this episode. Um, about Picayune, what Diaberville could probably expect from Picayune, uh, shoot a few questions, and I'll try to answer them the best I can. Well, let's just start off with the the, the, the one I've been talking about, uh, you know, and I'll, and I'll use a wrestling reference because we're talking about it. Diaberville was the one in 14-1 and one last year on the Maroon Tide schedule. How do you think – how much is that going to come into play with this game coming Friday night? I got to expect it to be weighing heavily on all the returning guys uh, for the Maroon Tide. That's a great question because if if you listen back at the post game podcast from last week, they talked about it. Like all the coaches, the coach, the both. I, I interviewed Coach uh, Seth Hayden, the defensive coordinator, and I interviewed Coach uh, Stogner, the head coach. 
and they brought it up. It, they called it revenge week. So this week was re, is going to be revenge week. It was the one team that, like you said, they they would have had a perfect season had it not been for D'Iberville last year. So it's give it's given them some extra motivation. So I expect um, we've seen a great game against uh, last week, but I expect against Gulfport. But I expect this week uh, it, it it could be their best four quarters if if they prepare like you know don't let it get too much to them. But this definitely on their mind, and I expect them to have talked about it all week. I haven't been over there yet, this week, um, but I know it's heavily on their mind. Yeah, I would expect it as well. I, I'm, this is the one I had circled just because. I almost felt like y'all would be coming out for blood. And that's, and I make it sound like it's a, you know, backyard brawl, you know, that sort of thing, a Biloxi Darville or Picayune and Pearl Central kind of thing. But it's totally different. It's just two good teams. And I also feel when y'all came and played us last season, y'all didn't really, I, I don't, we didn't handle it, but I don't think, I don't think it was y'all's best game either, the way y'all played us either. Well, so I expect look. to see that being a complete 180 this coming up Friday. Yeah, well, last year we had uh, a lot of young guys. We had a lot of sophomores all over the field. And we really didn't have a lot of seniors out there. And I think, uh, you know, you, I don't know how to word this and sound right, but I think they needed it. I mean, I'm just going to flat out say it. I think they – Looking back, it's easy to say they needed it because they ended up running the table after. But at the point when it happened, I think me and Slick kind of talked about it and was like, this probably is, isn't going to be the worst thing to happen to this team because they were young. And you and you think about it going into that all that season, if had they not lost that game, I don't know if they'd have beat Laurel. I think the Iberville beating Picayune last year helped them beat Laurel last year just for the simple fact that they didn't want to lose again. You know, they felt they got they had that taste of what it tasted like to lose, and they didn't give up. Even when it looked like Laurel was going to win that game, they still fought and won. So sometimes good things do come from a loss, and I think it really helped that young team um, mature. But this year is different as all of them are a year older, so I don't – I mean – you got to think they're going to come out for Diablo. And like you said, it's not a bad – nobody hates anybody. It's just they want to get – they want to win so they can, you know, yeah. you know, get revenge. Like they said, revenge, like you said, in, in wrestling. Well, we all know about, you know, the, the Oregon commit, Dante Dowdell. We also know about the, uh, the other running back, Chris Davis, who on the offense – whether it be a receiver, running back, who are the next couple guys that the Warriors need to look out for uh, on Friday night? Well, 41, uh, Darnell Smith has missed the last two games with a, uh, a knee injury, and he could be back. If he's back, that could help the Tide. We, we've struggled a little bit with the ball, running the ball. He's a, he plays fullback, and if you – Watch Picayune with that power offense. The fullback does a lot. The quarterback and the fullback do a lot of blocking in the Picayune offense. So I would say number 41, if he plays. Um, I haven't got word that he'll play yet, so I, I can't say. And um, Darrell Smith, who is his younger brother, plays wingback for us. And 
the rail is uh, the rail is the uh, he plays wing back, plays some defense. Now he's only a sophomore, and he's he's a good one. Um, he's made a few mistakes early on in the season with handling the ball, but it's kind of uh, some of them he's got back. So he'll be the one you have to watch for the wingback reverse. And then as far as receiver, um, we, I th he's probably one of our top targets coming out. Um, and then you also got um, Josiah Conti, who could play some receiver. And then even Ty Warren, he's going to be the tall kid. Um, I don't have his number. It's like 20 – I think I want to say he's 26. But 26. Ty, yep, yep. Ty, Ty Warren. And he's a real tall target for uh, quarterback Brady Robertson to throw it up to. And he's come down with some catches, and he played defensive back. And that's who we talked about on the last show. And that's who I was mentioning – kind of mentioning earlier is how he just kind of came out of nowhere and broke up a pass last week. And you're like, man, didn't know he even played defense until last week. And then, <laughs> and then if another tailback was to come in, it was probably going to be number five, Naki Ratcliffe, who is a starting cornerback. Um Naki is a, a junior, and if 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 Dante Dowdell and Chris Davis wasn't on the team, he'd be our starting tailback, and we probably wouldn't miss much of a beat. That's how good he is, and he doesn't even get to touch the ball. So um, he's he's very athletic, plays a uh, defensive back, which is probably his position as defensive back. But those are probably the guys um, to watch. Would be Darrell Darrell Smith. I don't know if Dar Darnell will play. And then you got uh, Ty Warren and Josiah Conti, and maybe Naki if he runs the ball a little bit. But he's—it's just going to depend on how the game goes if they put Naki back there or not. Gotcha. And uh, defensive wise, what what has the uh, Big U defense been? Have they been more of a four-three or a three-three-five? What kind of lineup have they seen to be on, uh, or has it been dictated by the offense they see? Well, so far we've been running a four, four down lineman. You have uh, two really, really good ends uh, in Waller and uh, McWilliams out there on the end, and but but helping out in the middle you have uh, Xavion Coleman, and uh, a, a sophomore that's kind of stepped up. Number twenty is Tristan Cooper. And what it helps is if you watch Picky and play, they're going to have two really small linebackers in the middle. Uh, Nathan Hickman and uh, Amarion Tyson, and most times you probably wouldn't have kids back there like that size. You wouldn't even think about playing them at linebacker. But what helps is the 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 defensive line takes up so many people that it frees them up, and they just they make plays. I mean, uh, along with uh, Vandell, number twenty seven, he makes that. It's amazing to watch. Uh, the, the little guys for Picayune. I know we got the big names. You got Dowdell. You got Davis. You got Waller, and you know, Coleman, and all these big guys that we talk about. But if you're a fan of just watching the little guy, then watch Picayune's defense because it's going to be you will you will get to see those little guys play and they play uh, very very hard and they come fast. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm I'm interested to see how it plays out. Uh, oh, quick quick uh, side bet. What's the over under on how long the game lasts? We'll set the number at say two hours and fifteen minutes. 
I think that could be about right if uh if neither <laughs> one of them changed it, what they want to do up. I think uh two hours and fifteen. So that would be. I think that's that's. I'm gonna go about even on that i would bet right on that like i would take that bet right there on two two hours and 15 minutes if it if it goes yeah. over if it goes over that it's not much that means it's if it goes over than that that means it's one heck of a game because uh we might have went in overtime <laughs> yeah i don't know if i'm ready for any more of them overtime or close ones i need it to be one way or the other unfortunately <laughs> So, well, uh, it's good games to watch, but I don't know about dealing with them every week. Yeah, calling them is just a, uh, yeah, no, they're just oh, they're nerve wracking, and uh, you need one every now and then. But uh, go, uh, man. But uh, Jeremy, I want to say thanks for coming on, and uh, appreciate you joining the Talking Ball Y'all crew and doing the post game podcast, and everyone can uh, follow along and, and go. If you just if you're if you're uh subscribe to the talking ball y'all podcast you can get his it just downloads just like ours that slick and dave's does and uh clay sweets regular podcast so if you want to get uh and listen to him go back and listen to the first three games go back and listen and kind of give you an insight on what to expect from deiberville but uh man i appreciate you coming on and giving me uh man we talked a lot longer than i expected but that's that's awesome i love talking hey, to i football. appreciate Appreciate you letting me let me come in and break in new setup. So, and and hey, I like to see what I, I like the way you ain't got to work. You know, I think the difference in y'all flicking days and then ours is that you know we're calling the game and then trying to do the pod immediately after. I like the fact that y'all's are out. You're right there on the field. Y'all are posting some good videos during the game. I, I see them popping up on my Twitter while I'm while we're calling the game and. uh I, I just like seeing it. And, you know, Clay, I mean, what you got to put Clay behind the mic somewhere. So we'll, get, we'll give Clay some love. So Clay's the hookup. Uh, ran across Clay. It's been five years and now, five years at uh, Hornet Bowl. Uh, I believe it would have been Hornet Bowl one, I guess, when I met him. The Thanksgiving uh, showdown between Popperville and East Central. Right. So I'm glad to get hooked up with you guys. Like I said, I, I, if if there's anything my parents taught me, it's how to run my mouth. So I, I'm all in on that. <laughs> well, it's funny because we this is our first year calling the games live uh, for Picayune. So Clay does the play by play. Slick moved in for color, and I mean I tell everybody we already knew what we were getting from Clay because Clay's been calling the Popperville game. So you knew you was going to get an excellent play by play. But man, that role slick. If you haven't listened to any of our broadcasts. He is a natural color analyst. I mean, just he studies and studies and studies. When he gets there, it just flows out. So, and then we made a decision instead of putting me as a sideline uh, guy, we got we brought in another guy, Darren Uzel, who does the sideline for us. So I could keep that role of, like you said, of being able to put video out. And I think that it's 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 been a cool experience for me because I've had I had the kids after texting me. Hey, Mr. David, can you send me the video of uh of what you got of? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, sure can, man. It's all all for y'all, man. It ain't for me. So, I, I it, it it's been fun. Um, I coached at Picayune Junior High for a while. Uh, probably about seven years I did that. So, this uh this senior class is really the last one that I actually coached at uh at Picayune. So it's uh I told Clay the other day I was like. Uh, one of them, one of them called me coach, and I was like, 
man, I'm going to miss that because this will be the last class that calls me. <laughs> so I won't be called yeah. coach anymore. But it was fun. It was fun. It was uh, it was time to, you know, for me to do something different. And I'm glad that Clay brought me on this past year and uh, did the did the podcast with you know. And with, I I want to bring up want to bring up one more PQ and Dierville connection that people might not realize about Brian Edwards, Coach Brian Edwards. Yep. Prior to coming to PQN, he was with Todd at East Central. But prior to East Central, he was at D'Iberville as an assistant. So we do have the Brian Edwards connection. The six degrees of Brian Edwards is what we can call it. Man, yeah, the Brian is uh, – he is amazing. Like what he's been able to do with an offensive line for years at PQN and even before – I mean, he is just a quiet guy, not – if you – been around you know him just like you said just because you just you know him but man he's not um he's excellent I, we love coach edwards and uh yeah i forgot all about him being at diaberville for before he went with uh coach lee so uh that's a good point there so yeah we'll well uh six degrees of uh coach edwards that's awesome so uh but jeremy thanks uh thanks for uh coming on and uh i appreciate you and uh I look forward to actually meeting you face to face uh Friday night. Appreciate it, Dave. I'll I'll see you Friday night at uh what's the what's the what's the name of the stadium? So I'll say it correctly on Friday. What do we got? Uh Lee Triplet Stadium. So it's uh Lee there Triplet we go. Stadium. Yep. So we'll be at Lee Triplet Stadium. Thanks again, uh Jeremy. Thank you, Dave. Ready for faster internet and better service? Of course you are. And that's exactly what you'll get with Coast Connect. Coast Connect gives you blazing speed for faster downloads, streaming video, gaming, or working from home. And it's backed by top-shelf service from local people you know and trust. Why wait? Get the speed you need with the service you deserve. Sign up today at CoastConnect.com. Coast Connect, powered by Coast Electric. Hey, everybody. Have you heard about the new restaurant in town, Creekside Coffee Cafe? Stop by and get a cup of your favorite coffee made by one of our great baristas and have some of our yummy breakfast, lunch or dinner, pancakes, bacon and eggs, the hamburgers, spaghetti and meatballs, mac and cheese, redfish tacos, and so much more. Don't forget the Brownie Alamo. Check us out on Facebook, order online, stop by the drive-thru, or come on in and stay a while. That's Creekside Coffee Cafe. We'll make you happy. All right, welcome back, everyone. Just got done talking to Jeremy Forehand from D'Iberville. Um, now joined by my co-host, Slick. Slick, thanks for joining me. We're going to get to discuss a little bit of a breakdown on the first three games of the season for the Tide and also uh, this upcoming matchup with Iberville. Yeah, thanks, Dave. It's good, man. Good to kind of get back on the horse a little bit. We're, uh, I guess, giving everyone a, a preview of our, our district stuff that's going to be upcoming. So, uh, yeah, good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so thanks for uh, – I'm just glad to get it started. Like you said, It's uh, this was probably one of my – funnest things to do every week was to do the preview episodes and uh i mentioned that to, to jeremy you know you talk about the friday nights we prepare all week and friday just kind of happens we don't have any control over friday night really it just it gets right. played out in front of us this is kind of our part to uh 
kind of let people know what we've been studying, our eyes through the season and uh, thoughts. And, uh, man, it, it's been one great start to the season. Uh, Ty come in 3-0, and beat uh, beat three really good teams to start the season. You had Popperville, who could possibly be playing for state in 4A. Then you had uh, Jeff Davis, who could – I think they're going to win 3A again. If, if, if they got a better 3A school in Mississippi, it's, uh, I'd like to see them. And then Gulfport, who I think could be the one that contends with Ocean Springs – Still time will tell on that as far as on the coast, which Ocean Springs seems like the king on the uh, 6A level on the coast. But So give your assessment on what we've seen three games so far from uh, Picayune, and uh, we kind of bounce it around back and forth if you if you want to. Well, I mean, I think you hit on a lot of the main points, Dave. I mean, we we potentially played three teams that – are likely to go very, very deep in the playoffs. I mean, I think that uh, this Popperville team, um, I mean, I know they've had a lot of talent in years past, but there's just something different, man, about this team, the way they tackle defensively. You know, they, they had a new offense and some some rough patches in, in their first game against us, but overall, I think they were pretty good, man. And Jefferson Davis, I mean, as you mentioned, for 3A, um, you're not going to find a better team in the state than them and even losing uh, some of the talent that they had from last year, I think they're they're poised to really come back and, and make a run again in 3A. I mean, you, you really can't count out any Coach Mancuso-led team. And, you know, this Gulfport team who, you know, gave us the, a really good effort on Friday night, man, for, for this for 6A, I think that they'll probably be a playoff team as well. So, you know, we really came in and, and, and played three really good opponents, man. And, you know, as, as we talked about a lot, man, and, and you can just, camp out on this subject all day you know you're going to get everyone's best man at Picayune this year I mean we are the team all most people scheduled to beat this is going to be a very big game for them and and you're not going to get a lackluster effort so I think that we've gotten the best of these three teams as well yeah no doubt and we've also talked a little bit about this too is man Picayune really just hasn't played four full quarters of what you would call Picayune football uh, Gulfport was probably their best effort is for four full quarters and uh, but rushing wise it's it's been kind of slow I want to start there Ricky we we've we know we have Dowdell we have Davis so you knew we were bringing back a those two guys Darnell Smith at fullback breaking in uh, his little brother at wingback and then you also have Naki who can come in and run to at tailback some of the struggles early on and I say struggles, I mean, they've still been able to move the ball pretty good, but we had about 200 yards rushing this past week when, you know, Picayune usually is always going to be in that 300, sometimes 400-yard mark for a full game. What would you say has accounted for the lower amount of yards through three games? I mean, I know we play tough competition, so we can talk about that too. I mean, I don't want to down – I mean, I don't want to say – we've played some cupcakes because we just pointed out how good those three teams we've played, but you still would think Picayune's rushing yards would be up. Am I, am I wrong in that? Or is that just, you know, is there, what kind of factors you think in that? No, Dave, I think it's a very fair assessment. And, you know, when you go back and you look at the film, you know, Clay and I have a really good vantage point from where we're sitting at usually on the top of the crow's nest on the the, the visiting uh, side. And I know that you have a good vantage point on the sideline as well. But, man, when you go back and watch that film, 
you know, what I what I saw in, in, in really the it started really with Jefferson Davis and we saw it in Gulfport on Friday night is is you've got these these big defensive tackles that are now moving over, man. They're sliding over and they're they're playing man up on our guards and our guards have done a great job. But what they're doing is, is you know, we know that our bread and butter is the is power, right? It's that power football. It's a, we call it the toss sweep, however you want to, you know, label it. But I think that we've we've seen guys really attack our guards and, and, and inhibit them from pulling out and getting out in front of the run. So we're seeing seeing a little bit of that, and that's definitely factoring in. But the other thing too, Dave, is we haven't had Darnell for two games now, and. You know, there, there's really been no threat of, of coming back and hitting you up the middle with that that trap or that that just quick hitter up up those a gaps. It's been wide open. That's why Brady was able to capitalize on that uh, against the Gulfport team Friday night. So I think those two things play in, and, and again, you see that on the film. But here's the other the other thing too, man. And we talked about this a lot last year. It, it's been a very a very very pedestrian, and I, I say that term. I don't say that tongue in cheek. It's a pedestrian offense. I mean, you're coming out, and it, it's really been – we're taking these, these three games, and we're going to make sure we're molding these new offensive linemen. we got a young center. we got a young tackle that's coming in and starting. And, you know, even though they know it's coming, they know Dante's going to get the ball, we want to still be able to execute it and adjust on the fly on those, those types of situations. And I think we've done that because, you know, 27 carries for Dante was a lot last week, but – you know, it, we needed it, and they knew they knew he was getting the football, and, and he was still able to eventually, you know, churn out those yards. So I think there's a lot more positive there than it, than it would look at a first glance. Yeah, I think a level of competition, and we had breaking in a new center too, and uh, Williams. I think that you know, trying to mesh that that line together. And I think they're getting there. Like I, I seen some glimpses in that second half against Gulfport against a really good defensive front that is very positive moving forward. And and we're nitpicking, Ricky. I mean, like slick, slick. We're really nitpicking. I mean, we're three and zero. And I mean, I don't want people to think like I don't want people to feel like any of this that we're saying in this episode that we're by any means like talking bad about anything. I mean, like. When you're three and zero, we're you know trying to just find things that just you know don't seem to look like what Picune would normally have, and they're running like I'm, I just pulled it up, right, slick, and it's uh you know we we're averaging 232 yards a game if if the scorebook live stats are correct. I don't know if uh if they are or not. Maybe that's only two games though, but that's about what they're averaging, and. Like I said a minute ago, three hundred yard. You're looking at a three hundred yard average pretty easily from Picayune, and 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 that'll go up once we play some of those district teams that aren't as good as what we've played. But um, I think the off. What I was getting to, and I got off track, was I think that offensive line is starting to come together. I think uh, missing Darnell is huge. You had some young guys step in. You've seen some fumbles from that position that you don't normally see from Darnell at all. None. I mean hardly any last year if any um so that that I think the fullback and the line starting to get it will uh has played a lot of played a lot into the fact that they haven't seen the rushing total you would normally see yeah and again man I think that we probably you know you go into a game and maybe you're running you know four or five plays essentially with a couple of different looks I know that we've we've started to come out and 
and really separate the tight end and the wing back, put them on different sides of the formation. And, you know, when you're, when you're teeing off on Dante and, and you're able to come in and even though, you know, he's getting the football and we're only running a set number of plays, you know, I think that we're, we're not nearly as deep into our playbook as that we could be. Right. So when you can win in those situations, uh, I think that's a, a big plus as well. Yeah. Cause me and uh, Clay talked today for a while and, I just mentioned how through three games, you know, we haven't put a full four quarters together from start to finish, but I haven't ever felt like we were in danger. You know, it's kind of crazy. Like even seven to nothing at halftime with Goport, the way this team was playing, you were just like, uh, I, I, I think we we should pull this out, you know, and uh, so it's a testament to how well this team plays on both sides of the ball. But before we go to the defense real quick, Ricky, Let's talk a little bit about what you've seen in Robertson. I mean, through the first two games, we've seen a little bit. Last week, he kind of had a couple – I think it was, was it last week he had a couple of drops. Uh, I think Darrell dropped one. So, he, he didn't get a lot of help. And then you had the one pass call back because of illegal touching. I think he's looked pretty sharp. He had the big play to set up the first touchdown – to, uh, I believe it was Ty Warren across the middle, so it was a really good uh, pass play to him. Uh, your assessment on Robertson, who I think has been pretty poised through his first three games? Well, Dave, I think that you know when we did our, our post game podcast uh, after the Gulfport game, I don't, I really think that we we dropped the ball there with not giving him a lot of credit. And as I thought back on his performance, and even went back and watched the film, some, I mean, his his ability to keep drives going. You know, I already mentioned Gulfport was moving their their two big D tackles out and putting a man over our guards to try to you know prevent them from pulling out and blocking on the, the power sweep. You know, he was able to pick up on that, and, and he was our, our third leading rusher. He really took that place of, of of what Darnell would be doing in those situations. I know Clay kind of touched on that a little bit. He kept his drives alive for us, and it probably wasn't his best night passing the football, but. I've loved, you know, when, when the play's not there for him, he's he's not been afraid to throw it away. Uh, he did that against Gulfport. It's not there. I'm just going to get rid of the ball. Um, that's very easy, man, in a, in a run-heavy offense for a quarterback. You know, you know quarterbacks want to throw the football, but try to throw it every chance you get. But he's been pretty smart with that. And I think him coming out with a hard count, um, you know, uh, you add that to his ability to pick up, you know, some, some rushing yards, calling his own number and, and sneaking it right up the middle where no one was at. I think that he played pretty good. I think maybe you could even argue that the Gulfport game was maybe one of his better performances overall, even though the stats may not show that with passing. And like you mentioned, you know, we, he hit Darrell right in the hands and it just slipped through and led, led to a turnover and, you know, ended up giving him the ball back. But I think he played, he's been playing pretty well. Yeah. And also what I've noticed looking back on that game, I was, you know, as, most of you know I do video down on the sideline. It was watching some of the run plays late, Slick, how well he blocked. Like he that might have been his best game blocking of the season. I know it's only three games, so it's short, but man, was he getting down there. That touchdown, the second touchdown run by Davis, you see him spearing down through there in the middle of all of that to make blocks. And um so that's that's huge because, like you said, as a quarterback, you want to throw the ball. You don't want to be a lineman, you know. And essentially, you're you're a fullback, a lineman in, in that offense when you have to do that tall sweep or the power play 
And man, he's, I think he's really grasped that role really well. And, um, and we haven't had the turnover, I mean, the fumble snaps that you and I had talked about early on that we were concerned about. So that's been a huge improvement uh, throughout these first three games too. Yeah, I, I think that you hit on a lot of good points there. And, you know, again, and, and credit Cody uh, Stogner and, and Adam Feely and this offensive staff, they've really allowed him to get into a rhythm early. You know, let him throw the ball some early just to get, you know, Clay caught it some just safe passing routes where he could connect on some short passes just to get him, you know, get him in a good rhythm. I think I think that's been important for him to, to keep him involved early like that. And, and I think that we'll see that continue as we move forward. Yeah, and uh, just on that offensive line, we'll we'll hit on a few of them real quick. You've, I mean, we say mesh. I mean, we've really got some guys that have been through the ringer. You got Peyton Wells at guard, and Gage Thibodeau, who, who after the game, I tried to get Gage for uh, the post game, which I'll get him this season. Because um, I asked Coach Edwards, I said, "Who should I get on the line?" I got Peyton last week, and uh, he said Gage. Gage had a phenomenal game, and. Uh, uh, against Gulfport, so we have some guys on that line that have played really well, and uh, hats off to them because I think they we hit on it in the post game last week, and I think they really really showed what kind of offensive line they can be that second half, in my opinion. No, I, I agree with you, man, and I, and I think that really the Gulfport game was 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 a game where it's really it's been statistically the first game of this this early season that we're playing here where we've won both halves. Um, we, we, we didn't win the second half against Gulf, uh, against uh, Jefferson Davis. We didn't win the second half against Popperville, but we actually won two halves of football, and it was a dogfight, man. And any time that you've got adjustments that are being made like that, you know, we're seeing teams come out and, and do things 100% different than they've done uh, two games previous. So you're having to make adjustments on the fly. So I think that you have to you calculate that in as well. Yeah, and I want to point out Donnell Lewis had a good game too at the other tackle position. I know we – I don't know if we've mentioned him much or if – I know you all probably have on the uh, broadcast, but uh, he's played extremely well from that other position, taking over for Isaiah Evans over there. So uh, even Coach Edwards mentioned him after the Gulfport game and said he had a really good game. So we'll, we'll swap over for – from the offense side, Ricky, and we'll go to the defense. And I really <laughs> – we talk so much about the defense. I hate to, you know, I hate to feel like we've just – that's all we talk about. But Coach Stogner and Coach – well, Coach Stogner mainly has talked about how he was going to rely on the defense early on, and boy, have they. And, man, I don't know what else we can say more about the defense. I mean, we it, – it's, it's been spectacular – uh, through three games, it, it's been amazing, man. And you know, we know that Amarion. You know, I, I prefer to him as the, the road runner, right? It's kind of like that old those old cartoons we used to watch, man. Where um, you had this coyote man who's doing everything he can to, to try to catch this road runner, and he's a pretty smart guy, but he just can't seem to get his hands on him. And that's Amarion, man. I mean, he's he's like that, and. I feel like these uh, defensive, uh, these offensive coordinators that are trying to figure out how to block Amarion, they're, they're kind of like that coyote man in that cartoon, and he's just he's hard to get around. But man, 
it's so hard not to just camp out for days and days, man, on, on 11, man, Big Monte Waller, what he's done. And, Dave, I, I'll challenge our listeners that might be listening to this podcast. Go and do some research. I mean, I, I love to nerd out on stats, but if you can find a defensive end anywhere in the state, I would even say maybe in the country that has 40 tackles through three games, then you let us know. Send a tweet to you on our Slick and Dave Twitter and, and let us know what that is. Because I guarantee you he's got to be up there pretty highly ranked. I mean, he's been playing lights out. And what's so awesome, man, is you and I got to see the secondary last year really really grow up right in front of us and come to life. We knew they were going to be good. And now you've got a D-line. And, and these guys complement each other so well. And we saw that, man, um, against Gulfport. There were situations where – we had great coverage, and the quarterback, he was pretty good, man. Um, and he wanted to get rid of the ball really quickly. And, and he, because of the coverage, he had to pull it down and wait. And that, that let guys like Monte and JB and this defensive line to be able to, to get pressure on him. And then we also saw situations where maybe the, the receiver was open and there was a flash where he was open for a minute. But because of the pressure from our defensive line, he wasn't able to get it out of his hand. So – that complementary style between those two units, and I, and I put the secondary, um, I include the linebackers with them as well, um, that's going to continue to be a, a beautiful thing to watch for us, man. For a picking fan, it's just going to be a, an absolute treat. Yeah, because me and you and I talked a little bit before the Gulfport game about the test at hand because Gulfport liked to get rid of the ball quickly. And and you just brought that up. In that game, they wanted to do that, but the secondary was so locked down that Palazzo had didn't have the he couldn't get rid of it when he wanted to, and then that allowed that defensive line to get there and linebackers. And I mean, I, I, we talk about eleven, and but three on the other side is really good as well as McWilliams, and he's very athletic and can do a lot of stuff. And then you also have. Um, what was the thing? Tristan Cooper in the middle, along with Xavion Coleman, and that those four guys, slick, are just they play well together. I mean, I don't know what you. I mean, like they play so well together. When one makes a play, like I was watching the videos, and I mentioned this to Clay when I talked to him on the phone. You see Waller making a huge play, and then who's there to? Con- I mean, these other kids, you can see the smiles on their face and just going nuts for him. You know, it, it, it really feels like a team out there this year. And not that it didn't last year. It's just I guess we have a better field this year because we've been around them a little longer. But, man, do they, they love seeing each other do well. It's, 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 there's no eyes out there. They're all out there together. And it's, a, it's just uh, I think that helps this bunch play so much better because they're not out there for you know just themselves, you can tell they're out there for everybody else too. No, you're right, man. It's, it's definitely been a, a huge team mentality and a lot of good chemistry. And you know, I mentioned Amarion and 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 uh, Waller just because they, you know, probably have somewhere around 80 tackles between the the two of them through three games, and they're just getting there first, man. It's not that those guys are, are, are playing bad. Um, there, there's only so many tackles that can go around in a game, and those guys just seem to be, you know, getting to the ball quicker than anyone else. But overall, man, this defense, I mean, there's there's not a whole lot of weak spots anywhere on, on the defensive team. Okay, so we, we've talked about the defense a pretty good bit in all three of the postgame episodes so far. 
So we'll let you go back and listen to a lot of what we've talked about the defense. Let's mention a couple guys that have stood out through three games. Slick, uh, if you want to talk a little bit on the offense first, we'll go back to the offense and talk about some guys that maybe we 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 might have known about, like as us, because we were preparing for the season. But some guys that kind of stood out these first three games, maybe maybe only one game out of the three, but you, they kind of popped out to you, and you weren't—I wouldn't say you weren't expecting it, but it was uh, kind of good to see. Well, I mean, I think that really it, you have to start with the opposite side, and I'll start there, man. And and I'm, I'm going to go back to this this young tight end that we have in Ducree. You know, we we saw Picky run a lot of two tight end sets last year, and you know, we know, and you've already mentioned how good JB is on that at, at his defensive end position. But for Ducree to come in and and be able to to make this offensive staff comfortable with him on the field. Um, he's going to take some snaps away from JB, and that's that's not a bad thing, especially when we start getting deeper in the season. We've already started to see teams that, that throw the football a lot more. It's a lot, man, to ask for a team to go both ways. And I know that's not something that Coach Stogner wants to do a lot of if he don't have to. So that, that's been really, really, really big for us. And then on the defensive side, and really you could put him on either side of the football, uh, Ty Warren, who you, you've already mentioned, He's been able to come in and, and, and play in relief in that secondary spot. You know, you got a game like last week where Chris had to touch the ball probably more than we would want him to touch the ball at this point in the season. And you feel very comfortable with Ty Warren coming in and replacing him. And, you know, Tristan Cooper and what he's done. And, and you got to give a lot of credit to Zay. You know, Zay, Zay's now the man that's going to be getting all the double teams that Birdman was getting last year. And just like he benefited from Bird being double teamed, we're seeing Tristan benefit too. And the opportunities have been there, and he's capitalized on them. So I think those guys have really, really stepped up, man. I mean, you could talk about so many other people, man, but those are the ones that have really stuck out to me. Yeah, and I'll I'll go back to the offense. And I'll say center position, uh, Slick. um, Brennan Williams, for a sophomore to come in and replace Ryan Pascal, a senior, who actually went to – Gulf Coast to play football, that's that's a lot to ask. And I think he's done extremely uh, extremely well filling in that role this season as a sophomore. And then you also have – I think Darrell has shown – we knew Darrell was going to be good. I mean, we've watched him in ninth grade. We watched him come up. So, he's not a surprise. I will say um, – his youth has caught him a couple times. Uh, you know, he, he wants to do – he's just a great football player. Like, he's just a football guy. And I sometimes think he tries to do a little too much right now. And uh, But that's – I think that's just youth. And I'll go on the defensive side and talk about those uh, – Hickman. I thought Hickman has come in and played a very – played very well through three yeah. games – replacing Dorian Robinson and then Tyrell McGill. I, I mean, I know y'all, we talk about him a good bit too. Like he's – man, he is fun to watch. And and I know you hadn't listened to the interview with uh, Jeremy and he asked me – one of the questions he asked me was um, about the defense. And I got to talking about the defense and one of the things I told him was, if you are a fan of watching the little guy play football – then watch our defense play. I mean, we talk about the big guys. We talk about Waller, McWilliams, Xavion, Tristan Cooper, 
You know, we talk about our corners, but those linebackers, Slick, I mean, I don't know that you'll find a group of those size guys playing anywhere in 5A football in Mississippi that play like that. Yeah, no, I mean, you mentioned Hank McMahon. That's a, that's a really good call out. He's, he's played pretty well, and, you know, he's probably the, the, the bigger of the three, and, and he's not very big himself, but you're talking about, man, you know, with, with Marion and, and uh, McGill, maybe a buck fifty soaking wet. Um, you know, that, that's not very, very big for a linebacker. But, again, man, just they're so slippery and hard to locate. Um, it, it, it has, man, it's been a, a lot of fun to watch those guys. Yeah, listed on the roster, you got Hickman at 168. You got Amarion Tyson at 151 and Tyrell McGill at 146. So, I mean, you're looking at McGill's 5'4", Tyson's 5'5", Hickman's a little taller at 5'10". So he's he's got a lot more size on him, but he's still not what you would see as a uh, big by any means. And then you you look at that defense and you're just like, okay, well we got these little linebackers, we're going to be able to do what we want. But you, <laughs> they play football, man, and they play really really hard. And uh, so we've touched a little bit on picking through three games and gave gave our assessment on what we thought. Let's move forward to D'Iberville. And I'm going to ask you this right off the bat. And it was the first thing. I did it a little different than what we normally do in interviews because um, uh, Jeremy Forehand does a preview, a post-game podcast for Talking Ball Y'all following D'Iberville. So I told him off the air, I said, if you want, I'll switch the script after I get done with my part and I'll let you ask some questions about Picayune for the D'Iberville listeners. And I'm going to ask this to you, Slick, because – um, his first question was, last year, D'Iberville was the only blemish on Picayune's uh, record. You know, they had one loss, and that was D'Iberville. And he asked me, do I think that's going to play in their minds this week? And I said, man, you should just listen to the postgame podcast because I interviewed both coaches. I, inter- I interviewed two coaches. I interviewed Coach Seth Hayden and Coach Stogner, and they all called it Revenge Week. So – how do you, I mean, from your take as, you know, you play football at Picayune, so you play, you know, how do you take this as a player? I want you to come at me as a player. You went and lost one game last year. Um, how, how do you think that plays in their mind this week? No, I think it's definitely going to be there. And I know that, you know, Picayune has, uh, you know, bigger fish to fry than just this game this week, but, no, I think it factors in huge. I think that the, that the players remember that. Um, you know, you and I had even talked about it, you know, as we went deeper in the season. You know, we, we would have loved to have seen D'Iberville last year. Later in the in the season, we were starting to get it really, everything starting to mess together. Um, I think that these guys definitely want to win this game, and they, they definitely do have a bad taste in their mouth for D'Iberville. And this is going to be a, an interesting team, Dave, in, in, in D'Iberville. I mean, it's a team that, you know, when you when you return one starter from a team that was pretty good a year ago, you know, probably even the Diaboville faithful would have told you that this is going to be a down season for them. And you know, you look at their record, and it, it might reflect that. But man, when you when you dig deeper in, I mean, they've they've lost two games by a combined uh, total of two points. So they they ended up you know going toe to toe with a Laurel team that. If you're in 5A and you've got plans for the playoffs, you're expecting to see 
the large tornado somewhere uh, on your schedule down the road. And, and then this JD team that we've also played, um, they went into overtime with them. And I think they, they went for it, you know, went for two and ended up losing the game that way. So this is a battle-tested bunch that, that's going to come in. And as we've already mentioned um, earlier, we know that they're going to elevate their game because they, they want to win this game as well. So it, it should be a fun matchup. But yeah. yeah, definitely, man. We we want to come in and win this thing. Yeah, he he asked me that, and then um, also named some guys, and um, so he really that first one was the big hitter. I think was he he wanted to know what I thought how Picune was going to react this week, and I, I my only thing was I just hope they don't let it get too much to them. But I think this team has just got such big goals ahead of them that. I, I just don't think it's going to be all they think about this week. I think they're, you know, they want to win every game. Obviously, everybody does. So I don't, th- I think it's going to be like any other week, except, hey, we just want to get some payback this week. And uh, I think this could be the week where we finally see four full quarters of Picking Maroon Tide football um, against the Iberville. And so you, we, I talked to him a little bit and I was, um, me and you talked about this too before I'd interviewed uh Jeremy was the passing. Um Gage Peterson and I mentioned he didn't even know this that Gage had played at Pearl River Central his junior high years and then went he knew he went to Stanislaus and then he spent well, I guess two years at Stanislaus and then went to uh Diabreville. So a lot of people in this area know Gage from his you know, short time at PRC before high school. Um Gage has um what is that? Let's see right here. Oh, out of the yard. Oh, 431 yards passing on three games. So that's the biggest surprise for me, Slick, if you just look at stats from D'Iverville, because they came from Coach Dolan's wing T offense. And Coach Ladner in his first year isn't scared to try to throw the ball. No, he's not. And he's really not changing a whole lot from, you know, what Dolan was, has done and built there. I mean, this is a guy who's been part of this program for you know somewhere around 15 years he was a strength and conditioning coach coached the offensive line so i don't think he was coming in looking to change a whole lot you know we'll see some wing tee look from them uh we'll see them come out and, and and get in some spread and try to try to throw the football and you mentioned peterson's numbers you know their offense has, they've scored points in every contest they played this year they were they scored more on jd than we did i know we had some turnovers that we lost in that game, um, they put up what forty-one points on forty or forty-one points up on uh, on Laurel. So we know that, that they can score. You know, looking at them on film defensively, you know, I think that we're probably going to see a six-man front. Um, there's you know, probably eight or nine guys in the box all together. You know, I did see JD was able to run the football and move it pretty good on them, and I, I agree with you. I think that this is going to be probably one of our better rushing uh, outputs that we've had on the season so far if we can you know eliminate the the, the penalties and the uh, turnovers and things like that I think that we would be poised if we can play our our brand of football that we can have a, a pretty good game on, on Friday night Slick, I don't know I should ask you just before we got on but have you been able to watch much film on Diaberville yeah I was able to watch some um, like I said you know their their offense has scored a lot defensively I think that um, even with all the people in the box, man, you know, once once Dante or Chris or whoever we have running the football is able to, to find that edge and, and break free, 
I think that we could probably see some big runs tonight. But, again, we have to just make sure we're coming in and playing our brand of football. But I think that has been one thing that has been their Achilles heel through three games has been defensively because they've scored a lot of points, but they've given up a few more points uh, to their opponents. Yeah, and he he talked about the offense, and he said through three games that's one of the things he hasn't been worried about. It's the defensive side of the ball is uh, – it's been probably D'Iberville's biggest struggle so far through three games. And uh, and you can see, like, they scored 41 against Stanislaus, 42 against Laurel, and 34 against uh, Jeff Davis. So they've been able to score and um, score a lot. and But they've also given up 43 and 35 in those two losses. And – it's 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 going to be hard to it's kind of hard to look at these three games and and really know where Diaverville's at because of so much new to the team as far as a new head coach. Gage Peterson was out most of the year last year, and then you're breaking in some new guys. And he talked a little bit about some of the guys slick and and we mentioned Lenore last year who I thought had a phenomenal game against Picayune and one of the hardest running backs we had you know hardest running running backs and he said they got a guy similar to him that plays in that fullback position number 9 Booker did you get to watch much of Booker Yeah Booker looks good man he he really does he's a he's a hard-nosed runner we'll have to make sure that you know we're we're, we're wrapping up and tackling him well and that's, that's one thing we've done pretty good this year is we haven't missed a lot of tackles. You know, typically once we have anyone on our defense that, that gets you in the crosshairs, we're able to, to to finish that play. So we'll definitely have to tackle well. Um, I did see an offensive team that, you know, as we've mentioned, has moved the football pretty well, but they've also committed some turnovers. And I think a big key to me, Dave, on Friday night is going to be their special teams. I think that probably of the teams that we've played so far, um, their special teams could could factor in, in in our favor, and I don't look for them to kick it deep to Chris. Uh, I think that he that he could probably break one if they do. I think they'll probably corner kick it. They've done a little bit of both, but um, their special teams to me is not going to be what we've seen the, the past three weeks so far. Yeah, I'll move receiver. There's a guy he I don't know if you've watched him on the film because he's. He had a great game against Jay, Jeff Davis. He had three catches for 104 yards, and that's number 88, Jamal, Jamel Rothschild. And he said he kind of was one of those guys that really didn't play a big role the first two games, and they're trying to find him. He said he's a real tall, rangy kid. Um, I don't know if he if you watched that, Jay. Did you get a chance to watch the Jeff Davis game? Or Yeah, he did. He, he stuck out a little bit, and – and another thing offensively that, that stuck out for them, Dave, has been, you know, we're going to see, we call it a stone formation. Uh, you may refer to it as a tackle over but it, or an unbalanced line, but they'll basically come out, man, and they'll, they'll run an extra tackle to one side. So you'll have a, a guard and, and a tight end. I think that's number 86 for them on that other side of the line. And, and he'll, he's had some big plays as well. He'll, Act like he's going to block. He looks like he's, he's a, he looks like he's the uh, the tackle. He's playing that position, but then he'll he'll streak down the field and and uh, he had some big plays, uh, a long pass uh, against JD where no one accounted for him. So we'll, there'll be some things we'll have to watch on tape and make sure that we're we're ready for our man. But really, like we've seen um, the past three weeks, I mean everything on film doesn't always translate into our game preparation and. 
you know, we may have to make some some adjustments on the field, and Coach Hayden and this defensive staff has done a good job of doing that. Yeah, and that's that goes with every team, and that's a good point, Slick. Uh, we play teams, and when we watch and film, no one runs the power offense like Picune. You know, we you might see them play a wing tee, but that's not what we do. So it's really, really a testament to the coaching staff, especially someone that you've had on the staff and, and for him, uh, we brought him up, Coach uh, Edwards. He he coached at Diabreville before he went to East Central with Coach Lee. And to be able to do some of the things that him and Coach Stodner can do and Coach Feely on that offensive side of the ball, preparing for a team when you really hadn't seen film on how they're going to handle you know, our lineup because, yeah, we're – we do a lot of different little formations, but we try to do the same, a lot of the same things out of those formations. So they are very good at finding the right formation to attack what, you know, Coach Ladner and his crew is going to try to bring out or what teams try to bring at Picayune every Friday night. Yeah, man, Coach Edwards is just so good at what he does, man. He's really the the motor man that, that, that makes this offensive line go and his, his in-game adjustments are great. And again, man, as we mentioned, he's he's you know he's going to come out and he's going to demand that his players execute our style of football, and we're not going to make any changes. Um, you know, if, if we're running power and they're they're crashing down, we'll you know we'll make a few adjustments here and there. But he expects his guys to come out and execute. And when you can execute in those tough situations, uh, again, man, when you start opening up the offense a little bit more, it's just going to make it easier on these guys. So I think that the way that he's really battle tested them and put them in tough situations, probably intentionally, just to make them better and make them grow a little bit more and, and be able to, 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 to learn on the fly and adjust on the fly. It, it's just going to help them as the season goes on. Well, Slick, uh, we'll wrap this up, but uh, I want to give a, a kind of an advertisement on you and Clay and Darren on the broadcast. If you haven't downloaded the MixLR app, go download it. Search Picayune, and you can follow – and you will get all the uh, notifications for when you guys go live. And, um, and the, I mean, I know I'm part of the team, but the broadcast, I, I mean, I love working, riding in my truck, listening back to you guys call the games. And uh, I can't listen while I'm on the sideline because it messes up with me trying to video and stuff. So it's kind of a treat during a week to kind of go back and relive the games and listen to you because that's another thing you can do. You can go back and re-listen on a show reel and uh, – it's really a cool thing that you and I get, you know, well, you and, and we get to do this year that we didn't do last year was actually call the games live. So uh, that's uh, – I just want to tell you how good of a job you and Clay and Darren have done through for, through three games. I'm not going to ask you for a score prediction because I don't like doing that type of stuff, but how do you see this game playing out? And you might have already touched on it, but if we can add it right here. How do you feel that this game's going to play out uh, Friday night? I think that we're, we're probably going to come out and see our team um, have its best output uh, offensively this week. I, I really do uh, feel that that's what we'll see on Friday night. I mean, this team's due. You know, they've been battle-tested already, uh, much like the Alberville opponent that's going to be coming in to Lee Triple Stadium. So I think we'll see a, a our, our best football uh, to date so far again if we can clean up the turnovers and mistakes and self-inflicted wounds uh, I think it will be okay man and I look I appreciate you saying that you enjoy what we're doing man I, I hope that 
uh, the listeners are, are, are hearing what, what we feel like we're putting out, man. And it's just a, you know, a bunch of guys that just love to talk about football and, and you know, we enjoy it. It's a passion for us and the prep and everything that goes into it, man, it's fun. And, you know, I hope everyone uh, feels that, man, because we, we really, really enjoy it. We're always trying to get better, man. Just like, just like Fickune, man. We're trying to get better each and every week. Yeah, and this was, uh, I guess we call this our first preview episode, Slick, but kind of not in our normal preview episode. But next week, we start district. So we'll go to PRC, and we will start our regular with everyone and Man, I didn't realize how many people liked them, but <laughs> we've been – you and I, I don't know if anybody's asked you. I know they've been asking Clay and a couple people's asked me, hey, when y'all going to do the preview episodes? I'm like, well, you know, we, we didn't do them last year till, uh district, but I guess we did them all t- throughout the district play and playoffs that uh, I didn't realize how uh, people looked – much they looked forward to those, to these preview episodes. So we drop in one this week to let everyone know about Jeremy Forehand doing the Diaberville post game for us. And then, uh, so man, I, this is a treat for me, Ricky, uh, slick. I've sat here and taught football for what, like an hour and a half with you and Jeremy today. So man, I feel like I'm ready for Friday night now. So, uh, take a break tomorrow and try not to do any football stuff tomorrow <laughs> and, uh, kind of wind down tomorrow and get ready, uh, Thursday and Friday for, uh, picking, which I think is going to be a great game. I think, as long as the turnovers and the penalties don't get uh, picayune, I, I think we we should be in for a good night. Now those things always change the outcomes of games, so um, I, I I expect a loose. I don't expect them to come out tight. I, th- I expect them to come out loose and ready to play, and they want to get that win. And uh, man, they're on a mission. I, I don't know how. I know it sounds cliche, or but if you've watch this team and follow them they just look like a team that's on a mission and they want to get that repeat and they know this game doesn't really play into that but it but it does in the fact that it gets them there you know one game closer and and you got to play better every week if you want to try to get back and get that gold ball no i I agree with that and and i'll just reiterate this statement again david and i think that if you were at the game on Friday night and, you know, one of the Picayune fans, uh, there's there's no need to panic right now. I think that when you go back and look at the film, um, what you'll see, man, is there was definitely mistakes that were made. There were things that we could fix, and I think that we will fix those things. But we were in a, a basically a, a heavyweight bout, man. It was a slugfest, and, and we came out on the other side of it. So that, that's the positive right there, and it, it's just going to continue to get better, man, um, for this, this team. So – Hang in there. Um, come out and support us on Friday night. Uh, this 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 team, man, is a lot of fun to watch. If you hadn't got a chance to watch this team play yet, uh, don't waste any time. Get out there and see these kids, man. These kids love what they do. Yeah, sure do, Slick. Thanks for uh, let's talking up football tonight, and uh, we'll get this podcast out and uh, look forward to ne- for Friday night. We'll do a post game episode Friday, and we'll start our regular district preview episodes next week so slick thanks again and uh we'll we'll talk football again friday sounds good dave we'll make sure we're on time